0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. 1-1
1: one, one pitch, fastball pulled and passed, the in toward the corner. Get up, Bob, get up, get out of here, get
0: up. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
1: becomes reality.
0: Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Another
2: day, another report on the timeline of Major League Baseball. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, April 7th. Frank here, joined by Scott, Chris, and the returning Adam Azer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Happy to see you here, Adam. How's it going, buddy?
0: Oh, man. It's tough to listen to the podcast when you want to get a word in so badly. Flashback Friday. I was like, Greg Bird! Greg Bird! I didn't get to say it, so today I'm going to scream, Greg Bird. But it's, that's what, what happened, dude,
2: for a flashback Friday. No, Adam,
1: that happens to me a lot when I listen to the football podcast.
0: There you will be times in. when
1: I'm just like, especially like before when I was driving, <laughs> uh, before I moved, I would like start yelling at the podcast, like, "You guys are forgetting something." Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to get in on the Manny Machado discussion, but that's good. That means it's an engaging discussion. That means our listeners probably have a lot to say. So. um when we, always, we always read their emails and stuff. So I, you guys did a great job, and uh, I'm happy to be back.
3: Grant Bird was the player you refused to give up on? Is yeah. That, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's fair.
2: Uh, Adam, did you know today is National Beer Day? Are you firing up a happy hour Zoom with Heath Cummings later on?
0: Uh, no, I will not be partaking in that. Any alcohol I have in my house is strictly for sanitization purposes.
2: <laughs> what about Penny All Vodka?
0: Uh, I don't have any any vodka sauce, I guess, or I don't know if I have any vodka either. I do have some penne, though, so we're halfway there. And this time, we are, some, everybody has to say living out of prayer. We're halfway there, living out of prayer. Okay. No, we're halfway there. Thank you, Frank. Oh, Thank you.
1: Living out <laughs> of prayer.
2: Thank you, Chris. We should do that one day. We should have an acapella where we all go in order.
1: He, of, Heath and I did that. I'll we used a- to do a DFS uh, podcast. Heath and I used to do a DFS podcast, and uh, we, we did a couple of bets, and whoever lost, I think, I had to sing a cappella. And I believe Heath made me sing that song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really tough song to sing.
2: National Beer Day, Chris. Give us either your favorite beer or the beer that you're enjoying most right now.
1: My favorite beer of all time, it's a two-way tie between Southern Tears Creme Brulee Imperial Stout. Which I love. And obviously it's my favorite beer of all time. And Ballast Points Grapefruit Sculpin. I love those two beers very, very much. Those are my two favorite beers. I can tell
2: that Chris is one of those bougie beer drinkers where he has like these trippy IPAs. I mean, just fire me up a nice Stella. I'm good to go, Chris.
1: Oh, I don't like Stella. <laughs> I noticed that Scott was drinking a root beer. Yeah,
2: beer
3: is oh, the roots that's,
1: right now. I hate yeah. that even I hate that even more than Stella. Oh, I'll say on. cream soda over root beer for the record, by the way. I
2: hate that mm. too. Mm. <laughs> I'll
0: take a yu hoo over all of right those now. options. Yoo-hoo. Yeah. When What is Scott National Yuho Day?
2: Scott doesn't like beer, but Scott likes baseball. Scott, we have another uh, report on uh, the potential timeline of baseball. This one a little bit more surprising. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, yeah. Jeff Passan last night dropped the Passen bomb with, uh, was frankly, one of the most amazing articles I've ever read. In, in that I was stunned after reading the first paragraph and increasingly stunned with each paragraph. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, apparently, apparently the league is looking at starting as early as May playing games at the Arizona spring training sites and they apparently have the support of federal health officials who think it could potentially be safe to do this. Obviously, it would take a lot of buy-in from a lot of different people, but apparently the union is on board and the union can obviously exert certain pressures and apparently the league itself is on board. It's... It's a pretty far-fetched idea, don't get me wrong, but it's it seems to be taken seriously among those who would have the most say. And I think I think the biggest takeaways from it are that what would make it I guess viable uh without it it would be a non-starter is if It gets to a point where testing is readily available enough and there's a quick enough turnaround on getting the results that I guess they can remove infected people. As as soon as an infection is detected, it wouldn't necessarily mean shutting everything down, which is what everybody was assuming, but immediately testing everybody, removing the infected parties and continuing from there. But of course this means quarantining a bunch of people over a thousand people for months at a time, and is are enough people going to buy into that to be uh, to make it viable i mean there's there's a lot of ifs and it's again it seems very unlikely but it's it's what's being talked about right now
2: look, I love baseball as much as the next person, and I think we all want the baseball season to return as soon as possible so that we can play fantasy baseball and we can have a distraction from everything that 's going on but yesterday we spoke about a report from over the weekend that had an idea like this kind of centered around July. The very next day we get a report regarding May, it just seems unrealistic, and there are bigger things going on in the country, the world at large, where unless you know they do come up with testing that is readily available for everyone, again, like Scott mentioned, I just don't see how this is even remotely possible. Some of the things they threw out there... Ah, uh, where that you know players are going to be quarantined in hotels. They're going to implement a an electronic strike zone. No mound visits. They're talking about seven inning double headers. It just mm-hmm. seems a little bit premature. no. Also, so, there, like there was-
0: if, if there's a fly ball to like right center field and the right fielder and the center fielder are going to be within six feet of each other, the play is blown dead, and we redo the fly ball. <laughs> there, I mean, like, give me there a break. Were
3: bu- there were bullet points at the end that kind of just listed some ideas that were bandied about, and those were, those were some of the wilder ones. I don't think in the unlikely event this scenario plays out that we'd actually see all of those. But I, I, I think the biggest thing is just uh, apparently these same federal officials are talking about Testing being that widely available to the point it's not going to impact the general public if they're testing that frequently by as early as May. And so that's why, where the May timetable came from. Yes. But,
0: you know, we'll see. No, that would be amazing from a societal standpoint. That's what we need. Uh, the, I think from a baseball perspective, I, the idea of seven inning games, seven inning doubleheaders if it's only once twice a week or something like that maybe but if we're playing a lot of seven inning games that would be yeah that would like be it. awful awful for fantasy for i just i would hate everything about that
1: ultimately like if it's what needs to be done to make this happen this year that's fine yeah, I, I don't fine, really do i've seen a lot of strong opinions like oh this is a terrible idea and i just it's not up for me to decide whether it's a terrible idea like if the if the players sign on to it and it's feasible and it doesn't put anyone at risk or at undue risk at least okay like i it's just i i that's that's my stance basically
0: right i look i'd rather have i'd rather have something than nothing but i think from a fantasy standpoint i don't want to have to deal with seven inning games sure what that would do to starting pitching just it would be weird and not fun and then it would make (laughs) it would make draft prep for fantasy analysts in 2021, a nightmare. Looking back at, ga- at a at season with a lot of seven inning games, I just think it would be so weird. In the takeaway, right <laughs> I mean, I, first, I think,
3: that's the first thing I think about is draft prep for next year. Well, right? I mean, obviously, I've been thinking about
0: public safety and public health, but if we're just talking about <laughs> baseball, a lot of what happens this season might just mean almost nothing to us next season. Right.
1: That I, but I think that's kind of going to be the case anyway, because what we're going to be seeing is players did a month of spring training then they took off at least 2 months and then we're going to try to play a regular like there's just there's going to be a lot of weird stuff we're going to have a shorter season we're going to have condensed schedule it's just it's going to be a weird season and we're going to have to do a really we're going to have to be really conscious of not overreacting to the things that we see in 2020 no matter what it looks like because we're not going to have a normal season it's going to lead to some weird outcomes
2: for what it's worth, Major League Baseball has issued a statement since the report from ESPN basically refuting um, that, you know, that they have a timeline in mind uh, that so they didn't really confirm anything regarding May, which has been the date that was thrown around in this report. So they basically refuted it. And look, it's just it's an ongoing process. And we'll continue to update everyone here on Fantasy Baseball today on the timeline of baseball as we get more details. But it's all kind of uh skeptical i guess at this point in terms of when baseball is going to get started sooner rather than later but again we have to do it uh with the proper guidelines and precautions i want to remind everyone that the fantasy baseball podcast bracket is still taking place fantasy baseball today number one seed in the cody bellinger region did advance to the next round i believe we won like 80 percent to 20 percent
1: look there's no need to there's no need to tell the people the score all right All right, we won. There's no need to rub (laughs) it in.
2: We did win, uh, but the voting does open again on Wednesday, April 8th. So starting tomorrow, or whenever you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday, April 8th. Uh, So if you can help us out with that, that'll be on the pods Twitter. uh, So reminder there. Last week, everyone, we did the All-Decade team for the 2010s. Today, we're going to be projecting the All-Decade team for the 2020s. And this is just a completely different process, or at least it was for me because we had so much data to look at from the past decade. And a lot of what we're doing today could be helpful for keeper leagues and dynasty leagues, but it's more so kind of taking what we have from, I guess, younger ish players and kind of projecting how that's going to play out over the next decade. So we're going to fill out a head to head points roster like we did last week, catcher, first base, second base third base, shortstop, three outfielders, a utility bat, five starting pitchers, and two relief pitchers. And let's get things started off at the catcher position. Last week, all of us across the board, Buster Posey. Now, what I want to do for each position is I want to look at who we chose for the 2010s all-decade team and kind of use that into our, uh, kind of infuse that into our process for projecting this decade's players at each position. So we chose Buster Posey. If we were doing this back in 2010, he had all but 17 plate appearances in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So if you want to choose a catcher that doesn't have any experience in, in Major League Baseball yet or has very limited experience, you can do so. So, Scott, why don't you get us started here at their catcher position, um, who it will be your 2020s catcher for the all-decade team?
3: Well, I am going to point out from the outset here that my team is not all prospects. As a general rule, I preferred some amount of provenness, showing you actually are a high-end player already if you're young and if I can count on you to be around for most of the next decade. that That's generally the way I preferred to go, but not many catchers. In playing right now, qualify as young, and it's not a position that ages especially well. JT mm-hmm. Real Muto is already 29. How many good years does he have left? Maybe three. I don't know. I wouldn't project him for many more beyond that. So I went with the top catching prospect to the number one pick in this last year's draft, who scouting reports suggest has no flaws whatsoever offensively, defensively, should be up in 2021. Unless there's no 2020, then maybe 2022. But yeah, that's Adley Rushman. That was my choice. Orioles catcher of the future. He'll be the best over the next decade. Yeah.
1: Yeah, should be the... I I would think that should be the consensus pick just because the young catchers in Major League Baseball, guys like Francisco Mejia, uh, Carson Kelly, Danny Jansen, they've been so underwhelming so far as a group that I just don't think there's a strong enough case for any of them. And they're all a little older. You know, the Adley Rushman right now is 22 years old. Those guys are all in the 24-25 range. And at that point, man, catchers, you hit 30 and anything you get after that is bonus.
0: Yeah, I'm not making a team. I'm just going to critique these guys. But even I was going to go with Adley Rushman. But I guess that means if you were starting a dynasty league right now, is this the same question? Would, no. you, would Adley Rushman be the first one off the board? or is that not the same question?
3: I don't think it's a, it's the same question because of something Chris pointed out last week how like you're not thinking 10 years ahead in a dynasty league generally speaking. You're thinking yeah. maybe at most 5 years ahead and so uh, there's it's it's hunchier this process than the process of building a dynasty league team. It's it's just kind of going with your with With gut feel, because you're projecting so far out that it's really just a guess. And uh, for the answer to this particular question, my answer probably would be Rushman if it was building a Dynasty League team. But that won't be true for the players I chose at every position.
2: So Scott mentioned JT Real Muto. I'll throw the names, just a few of the names I was considering in there. Gary Sanchez, 27 years old, probably has... Four, maybe five good years left. Could move away from the catcher position as well. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith is a strong pick, I think, at 25 years old. He hit 15 home runs with a 907 OPS uh, in 2019. And then there's Joey Bart, who is also a prospect. He's 23 years old. He has an 875 OPS over number, his first minor league seasons. Uh, number but two
3: I, pick in 2018, Joey Bart. Rushman was number one last year, Bart was two in 2018.
2: Yeah, and I actually went with Adley Rutschman also. So uh, he was the first overall pick in 2019. You just mentioned that, Scott, 22 years old. Uh, the ETA, you're looking at 2021, hopefully a 60-hit tool, a 60-power tool, uh, the best p- catching prospect many regard him since, you know, Joe Maurer, might even be better than Joe Maurer. So could hit for average, could hit for power. That's what's expected out of Adley Rutschman. So we're pretty consistent across yeah. the board here so
3: far. Uh, with of course, my- he might be the best since Matt Weeders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Matt Wheaters so Matt
1: Wheaters fan, huh? Matt Wheaters had, uh, like, if Adley Rushman ever has a season in the minors as good as the one Matt Wheaters did in what, 2011? Was that the year? Or maybe a little earlier? It's like yeah. one of the best minor league seasons of all time. Yeah. Uh,
3: and yeah. So that's, that's just an indication of how difficult it is to catcher's really hard. Yeah, especially catchers, hard. but really the whole top thing. prospects in general, like it doesn't always go how you think it's going to go. Ah,
0: I mean, predicting 10 years out is <laughs> predicting a decade of, of, you know, it's obviously a, a very difficult task. So that's why I didn't do it. I just like all the other guys <laughs> do it. <laughs>
2: predicting a decade of anything is tough. Predicting a decade yeah. of baseball is impossible. I mean, <laughs> we, we try to predict a year of baseball at a time, and even that is tough enough. So Absolutely. trying to predict a, uh, a decade is even tougher. First base. <laughs>
3: For the two 2008, th- Chris, that was the year for Wieter. Sorry, Frank, okay. I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. It's all good.
2: It's all good. For the 2010s all-decade team, three of us chose uh, Miguel Cabrera, who was well-established back in 2010. Uh, Chris chose Paul Goldschmidt, who didn't debut until 2011. So that gives you an idea of you know, a prospect potentially coming in and taking over this decade. And before we jump in, I wanted to ask you guys, should Cody Bellinger be allowed in first base? Because I thought he should be more of an outfielder Last year, 28 starts at first base, 123 in the outfield. And it seems like that's the position that he's trending more towards. So I I didn't include Cody Bellinger in first base. I don't know about you guys.
1: We're trying to project the next 10 years. I think it's more likely that Cody Bellinger spends more of the next decade at first base than in the outfield. So Mm -hmm. I went with Cody Bellinger at first base also because I wanted to cheat. And it made filling out the outfield easier.
0: That was was the big, because there are, there are,
1: there are two obvious young guys and one obvious older guy at outfield. I wanted all three of them in Freddie or Cody Bellinger first base. And I also just think I, I like him more than anyone who currently plays first base. I think if the, if the Dodgers traded Jock Peterson, he might play more first base. So I just, I think you can project a twenty-four-year-old to move to first base eventually.
3: You know? I I don't agree w- with the idea that he's going to play more first base than outfield over the next day. I think he, a decade. I think he will play more outfield because I mean he's capable in center field. He's amazing in right field, and those are tougher positions to fill than first base. But I I took my justification was that as much as the Dodgers like to move players around, he will get enough time. at first base to retain eligibility there if not always heading into the year he'll pick it up soon enough in the year yeah i went with cody bellinger too because like if if you put him at first base he's a distant number one at first base and that's even acknowledging that defending rookie of the year in the nl last year uh led the majors in home runs pete alonso
1: isn't pete alonso older than
3: Yes, uh, Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Seven months older than Cody Bellinger, and of course, Cody Bellinger appears to be the more rounded player. He's has a longer, oh, he has more of a track record already. Yeah, uh, Bellinger. If you include him at first base, I think he's the easy choice here.
2: I didn't take the easy way out. I'll tell you where I have Cody Bellinger later on, but I went with Pete Alonzo. He is a little bit older than Cody Bellinger, and if I was including Cody Bellinger at first base, I would undoubtedly have him here. At the position, but I think he's probably going to play more outfield. Maybe he retains some of that first base eligibility uh, throughout the next decade. But Pete Alonso, someone I do expect to remain at first base, 25 years old, uh, could have just had a career year if we're being honest. 53 home runs, 120 RBI, 3.6 fantasy points per game last season. Uh, a 290 hitter in the minors gives me some hope that the batting average could potentially. Get better for Alonzo. Maybe some of the he sacrifices some of the power for batting average, but if he winds up becoming a 270 hitter with 40 home runs, I still think that's a really, really good first baseman for fantasy. Uh some other names that I just kinda thought of. Freddie Freeman, he's already 30
1: years old. Yeah, too old. He has
2: stuff. Three or four really good years left. Uh Andrew Vaughn, who is regarded yep. as the top first base prospect. He's 22 years old, looking at a 2021 ETA. Uh, and then like, kind of thought about Josh Bell, Matt Olson, but I don't think realistically you can put either one of those guys over Pete Alonzo. At least that was my thinking. Yeah, Adam, and, and, well, do you think these guys took the easy way out with Bellinger?
0: Uh, a little, but, but here's the thing. Like, comparing Bellinger and Alonzo, if you want to compare their age 24 seasons, then Bellinger was obviously a lot better. But if you want to just compare their rookie seasons, Bellinger hit 267 with 39 home runs. And he had 64 walks to 146 strikeouts. So there's no reason why Pete Alonso can't become a better hitter, raise his batting average, improve his plate discipline like all other elite hitters have done. They didn't sure. start out. They didn't come into the majors with one walk to one strikeout. So I, not that I disagree with your call, but I don't think it's that far. I don't think he's super far ahead of Pete Alonso considering Alonso had a better rookie year than Bellinger did. Yeah,
3: yeah, you're you're asking... Like if we if we did this question two years ago, Bellinger might be in about the same place that Alonso is now. But you're like just because Bellinger improved to that extent doesn't mean Alonzo is, especially since Alonzo is two years behind, in, yeah. in terms of age. You know.
0: Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I well, but he he had a you know, he had fifty-three home runs this year. Uh, no, so I like understand, a, but. He, no, look, I I would have taken Bellinger as well. I'm just yeah. I don't I, think it's a. I think there's a really good case for Alonzo because Alonso, his, his look, rookie year Alonso was better than that. Alonzo would probably be number two. Oh, but okay. well, I, we'll I do think that. it's
3: a big enough gap when you consider the age and and the way they've progressed already.
2: Adam, and this is a really good point because if two years ago when Cody Bellinger say after his rookie season ended, he hit 267. If I asked you what the chances were that he would hit over 300, two years from now, you would have, I mean, I would have said pretty, yeah. right.
1: so pretty low. What? Right. I would have said pretty low.
2: Oh, pretty low. Oh, I thought you said pretty well. <laughs> oh.
1: I think, like, yes, Pete Alonso could improve. But what Cody Bellinger just did uh, was, one, a product of age. He has more time on his side. But also, it's just, it's pretty unreal. Like, that, that's like a 95th percentile outcome. For a player, maybe higher, like turning from a pretty good hitter with two years under your belt into one of the three or four best hitters in baseball is it's really hard to do.
0: Well, quite frankly, it gives me gives me pause on Bellinger. Sure. A little bit because like he he hit four thirty one in his first thirty one games and then he hit two seventy four in his last one hundred and twenty five games. So I'm not really convinced that he's not going to hit two seventy. And I know he's going to hit for power. I know he's going to be awesome, but I-, I would not be surprised if we had a different answer to this question a year from now, because I'm just not convinced that Bellinger is going to have a lot better batting average than Pete Alonzo.
1: I'd be pretty surprised if we had a different answer. That was Pete Alonzo.
0: All right. Well, you hate Pete Alonzo. I mean, you've been pretty clear about that from, <laughs> from... like the, the,
3: the thing is at first base, given how likely any number of players are to move there, it could it could be anybody
0: <laughs> it, it could, could be Alec Baum. you know but could, how but how sad yeah. is it that the, the position the, there are only two player two current players that you could even consider for this and it's well, Benjerd Alonso I, I the position got there old There are more
3: that you can consider than that not really but it's just yeah it's they're they're too far behind. Uh, Josh Bell, Matt Olson. I don't think people who have them in a dynasty league are upset about their first base situation. You know, uh, no, but yeah. I'm
0: just, I, you know, it's not it's not like a lot of youth. You know, it's um, i I've, yeah, I it's think an I've old position. Right? It's, it's I get aged what you're out saying. a little bit. Yeah. All right, Frank. Back to Let's Frank.
2: Move Let's move back. Let's move on to uh, second base here. Three of us chose Jose Altuve for the 2010s All-Decade Team. He hadn't played a single game in major league baseball, uh, in by 2010. Uh, and I chose Robinson can who was in his prime at the time. Um, Chris, why don't you get us started here? Because I know that you were a big Keston. He, fan. I mean, for me, it really came down to just two players, but I'll let you kind of start us off here.
1: Uh, I'm a weasel. I, 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 uh, I cheated a lot. You took a short exercise. stop. I, I did. Uh uh-huh. I took a 19-year-old shortstop who there are some concerns about whether he has the arm strength to stick at shortstop long term. Okay. I I went with Wander Franco, the number 1 prospect in baseball. Uh I originally went with Ozzy
3: Albies. Um, okay, I like that more.
1: But <laughs> I'm doing these uh like prospect profiles for CBSsports.com and I did the first two today. Uh Wander Franco and, and Luis Robert. And as I was doing my Wander Franco research, I saw a couple of scouting reports uh, that said that he may not have the arm to stick at shortstop. And using Scott's uh, logic, the Rays are the type of team who are going to move guys around a lot. I would bet he has second base eligibility. I will take the over on five years of second base eligibility in the next decade for Wander Franco, which makes him second base eligible, which means he is a good choice. For the all decade team for 2010 or th- yeah. 2020 through 2029, 20, mostly because I wanted to get a different <sighs> shortstop in the lineup as well.
3: See, I, I feel like, first of all, it's rare you find a scouting report for a shortstop where everybody's in agreement he can stay at shortstop. So I, I actually don't worry about Franco's ability to stay at shortstop. And, and maybe you don't either. Maybe you are just being a weasel. Oh, I'm being intellectually but, dishonest. <laughs> I feel like I needed Franco more at short stuff than I do at second base, where you have three players all twenty three who are looking like they're going to be high end options for years to come. Now, Glamber Torres may not may not have much second base in his immediate future, so I was less inclined to consider him, but the other two are o- Ozzy Albies, who you mentioned and, and Keston Hira of the Brewers. Scott. Who there's yes. a 20. There's a 21-year-old shortstop who's better than all three of them. Well, we'll see when we get to shortstop. We'll we'll talk about that Teaser. when we get to shortstop. But Keston Hira, the main thing we worry about him, and I understand it's only half a season, and that in itself presents some risk. But again, we're we're playing hunches a little more here. And the biggest thing statistically we worry about Hira is he struck out nearly a third of the time during his stint in the majors last year. Well, during his time in the minors strikeouts weren't an issue at all. He was striking out like a fifth of the time. I, I don't think that's going to be a long-term part of his profile. And when you consider how well he impacts the ball, the fact he hit 38 home runs and stole 16 bases between triple a and the majors last year, uh, Keston I'm I'm shooting for the stars with Keston Hira as a potential first round type when I don't think Ozzy Albies has that kind of upside. Sure. and,
2: that's fair. And I was I was going to ask about the the safety, the floor versus upside discussion here. And I think it's very apparent with Ozzie Albies versus Kesson Hira, and, and I think you made a good point. I mean, Ozzie Albies has been top five in both Roto and points in each of his first two seasons. He's still just 23 years old, incredibly inconsistent so far. He's durable uh, and he did improve a lot from his rookie season to his first full season to his second full season. From 2018 to 2019, the batting average improved over 30 points. Uh, the OPS went from 757 to 852. I mean, I think there's still more stolen base upside. I think we can get to 20 stolen bases for Ozzy, maybe even more than that. So it's a discussion, especially in Dynasty, of do you want the safety, the floor of an Albies who might give you more steals versus the upside of a Kess and Hiura uh, where there might be more downside because of the strikeouts? but me personally, I would go with Ozzy Albies, but I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong answer.
0: This is, well, there is a wrong answer at shortstop. I mean, there's only one shortstop is so easy.
1: Yeah. That, that was the thing is shortstop (laughs) was really hard until I moved Wander Franco to second base. And just to give like a, an assessment of Wander Franco, in case you're not familiar with him, he is Scott White's top prospect. He's, uh, for fantasy, he's the top prospect in general in baseball. I think pretty much across the board. He's a 19-year-old who struck out uh, 7% of the time across uh, Low A or Class A and High A last year. Walked 11% of the time. Hit like 328. He just he had an incredible season. What I wrote about him today was basically his floor. And this sounds ridiculous to say, but his floor might be Ozzy
0: I mean that it's ridiculous ceiling to say. might be
1: Jose Altuve.
0: But it's it you know it is ridiculous to say his floor is Ozzie Albies who is a really really good all-around player. I know when, but like No it is ridiculous to say I mean it's just Byron Buxton. Bam.
1: That, got, but Byron Buxton did not have like Ozzy or Wander Franco almost walked twice as often as he struck out as an 18 year old last year. Do you, do you know, know who's the best
0: hitter? In both leagues that he played in, as an 18-year-old. Do you know who was the number one prospect just a few years ago? It Was Gleber Torres, and he had 38 home runs last year. I mean, so are you gonna, if you're choosing between Wander Franco and Gleber Torres, are you gonna take the guy who's in in the majors now, just had a great year, um, or a guy who's never never set foot in well, the majors?
1: I, well, Adam, I did make that choice.
0: Well, I I know, but I think that take take the bird in the hand. Glaber Torres is 23. It's not like he's I mean Kesson Hero was going to be I, 25. I know. Are, are
3: we talking about second base still here because you yes. talk you guys are both talking about players who are projected to play
0: shortstop. Yeah, I mean that's we kind were of the problem. into like middle <laughs> infield now. If, yeah, if, yeah um, I mean I guess Torres. All right, fine. I'll eliminate Torres cuz he is a shortstop. I do think that if if there's a shortstop that has a good chance of moving back to second base, it's it's Torres. I don't think so, his, his yeah, defense is no, very I good. No, I agree.
3: Like I th- what was interesting about this is I just the process I did kind of eliminated Torres from consideration because I wasn't sure where to project him long-term. I wasn't sure what we'd be thinking of him as in 2020, whether whether a shortstop or a second baseman uh, or who knows, maybe something else. But I think you should, I think you should that, make an
0: exception because you don't want to leave out. You don't want to leave out somebody that's going to have in your mind, that kind of a fantasy impact just because we don't know where yeah. his position's going to be. I, I just think
3: he's so safe and, I I did something similar to this. I polled polled people on Twitter and Facebook about who their top player would be, who their top choice would be at each position in a dynasty league. I did that over the weekend. There's an article about it on CBSSports.com now. And, of course, in addition to showing the poll results, I I showed who I would pick at each position. And in that exercise, slightly different, because we're talking more about a dynasty league and the – the ability to maneuver your player in between positions is needed. I chose Torres for second base and just said, you know, I'll trust I'll have a spot to play him uh, no matter where he winds up. But for this exercise, I wanted to be more confident I could okay. play the player at the position for a full decade. So that's why I'm going with Hira. But that, that also shows you how tight of a race it is between the three players we're considering here, leaving out Franco. Uh,
0: by you the way, I'm I, I, uh, sorry, to I just leave want to cor- I just want to correct something. I said hero was 25. That's Biggio is actually 25. Um, Hira's 23, just like Torres. Yeah. 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 If All anyone
2: right. had to watch Kesson Hira's swings side-by-side with Mike Trout, that's something that you should do today because it is uncanny how similar their swings are. But we've already talked a lot about shortstop. Let's get into shortstop. And for me, I think that this is a really loaded position. Wait, you who's your second baseman?
0: Play.
2: My second baseman was Ozzy Alves.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. I wasn't listening. I was listening. I just (laughs) forgot.
2: (laughs) I believe Scott had Kesson and Chris had Wander Franco uh, via the loophole. Right. So (laughs) at shortstop, this is a little bit tougher because you have to weigh, for the first half of the decade, how good players like Francisco Lindor, Trey Turner, and Trevor Story are still going to be. Uh, The three of us chose, uh, meaning me, Chris, and adam all
1: chose elvis andrews for our uh
2: 2010 shortstop the, and the
1: 2021 is going to be better than elvis andrews
2: yeah it's going to be a little bit better than elvis andrews i, we, I would say we hope <laughs> for me but, I, I thought it was I, if i thought it was hands down fernando tatis yep, who just wasn't one years old and he just hit 317 with 22 home runs and and 16 stolen bases and just 84 games and I mean, regarded as one of the top prospects entering last season and basically lived up to that expectation, albeit in only 84 games. But to give us that glimpse and already be a borderline first-round pick, I gave him the edge over Wander Franco, although I realize Franco's ceiling is potentially higher than Fernando Tatis's. Tatis. I don't know if
0: it's higher. True.
3: Yeah, it's just likelihood of reaching this ceiling, which I know sounds crazy for talking about a teenager who didn't did even get to double A last year, Wander Franco? Nope, not yet. It it seems crazy to say that's a safer profile than a guy who already has uh, most of a season in the majors, but all the downsides we've talked about uh, for Tatis, it doesn't change what his ceiling is. I mean, his ceiling is a top five overall player, as I suspect Franco's is, but the plate discipline is a major concern. Um, the fact he's, he's bigger, like I'm not even confident he's going to spend most of the decade at shortstop. He's six foot three. I could see him moving. Uh, so I kind of, I don't think I don't think Tatis is a wrong answer. I just I was just thinking about the process we went through for the last decade where you guys ended up going with Elvis Andrews just because he was the guy who stuck around for a decade. I went with Troy to even though we were talking about basically four good seasons and anyone else we might have considered for the last decade like Lindor or uh, I mean, story came up in that conversation. Some of the same guys we're considering now they only had like 3 or 4 good years the last decade too. So this is a this is another position that doesn't age well. It's why I didn't I didn't really give the same consideration to somebody like Lindor who's only 26 and Story, he's in his late 20s too. I I don't think those guys if if they're if they're good much beyond age 30, it's probably because they've changed positions. Uh so I wanted somebody who I thought could give me most of the decade. And really, it comes down to Franco or Tatis if you're doing that. And I just like Franco's profile more. Again, kind of a hunchy exercise here. It probably realistically isn't as safe as Tatis, but the profile itself for Tatis is risky, and I'd rather not play with that when the alternative is Franco, who even by number one overall prospect standards seems especially high-end.
2: When it comes to Wander Franco, uh, something that Adam brought up was comparing him to Byron Buxton. I, I don't think that just kind of uh, comparing top prospects. I don't know that that's fair because Buxton was just a completely different player. I mean, he's just tools for days. He's incredibly fast, but there was always kind of concern over the hole in the bat uh, and that you know he strikes out a lot. And you don't really have those concerns with Wander Franco. So uh, just in terms of kind of reiterating that i I just think that there's a lot more safety involving uh franco versus tatis chris did you take um did you take tatis over uh did you take tatis as shortstop
1: yes i have both tatis and wander franco i'm very good at this exercise (laughs) (laughs) i mean i could just move
2: players around to random
1: positions and i can
2: make my favorite team as well chris
1: you can't move guys up the defensive spectrum that's the
3: rule you can only move them down oh okay that's how it works in, like, sim games. Exactly. Right? I I am comfortable playing a shortstop anywhere in a sim game, basically. Mm-hmm. For those who are involved in sim games. No, I'm, I'm sure they'll understand.
0: I'm doing a uh, draft of fictional football players tonight, so you made me think of that, just talking about sim games and stuff. I was trying to think of video game football players. Much, much harder exercise than baseball, by the way. Well, so,
1: yeah, because... Like, you can't pick Bo Jackson.
0: No, but you can pick Bones Jackson from Mutant League Football, who's an ace up my (laughs) sleeve. My
3: favorite favorite name from Mutant League Football is Scary Ice. (laughs) Uh
0: (laughs) Scary. I never actually played Mutant League Football. I was watching it on YouTube last night as I was doing research for this. So check out the Fantasy Football Today podcast as we do our fictional football player draft. And one, one thing I learned is that baseball movies are like 100 times better than football movies. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> I think that's fair. Do you have a lot yeah. of meat from The Longest Yard in there, Adam?
0: I mean, there's only like three or four movies that everybody's going to go to the well on, basically. The Longest Yard, Any Given Sunday. There's only one guy, I think, from Any Given Sunday. Um, uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show will be popular. Yeah. Not the movie because yeah. it's real life because it's based on a true story. Uh, I, I mean, I have the fourth and the fifth pick, so I'm just going to tell you guys don't say anything because we're drafting in a few hours. I am hoping to take... You need you need a special teams player, and you need at least one, one or two defensive players. So I'm hoping to take Forrest Gump and Becky the Icebox O'Shea with my first two picks. Man, am, don't don't I, sleep on Vince Howard. Don't and tell Smash me Williams. anything. Don't tell me anything.
3: But... How do you spell O'Shea? I'm tweeting this out.
0: <laughs> you just call her Icebox. How about Bobby Boucher? Huh? He'll I anticipate he'll be picked before the fourth pick. What position did he play? He's a defensive player. Yeah, he was a middle like, linebacker. Middle linebacker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: He was like a pass rushing middle linebacker, as as one is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pass rushing <laughs> middle line, not
0: an edge rusher. Middle <laughs> linebacker.
2: Yeah. Mom said. Mom said. All yeah. right, that's way too much football talk here on fantasy baseball today. Uh, third base. Three of us chose Nolan Arenado for our 2010s team. Chris chose Adrian Beltre. Uh, Arenado did not debut until 2013. Beltre was basically in his prime. Uh, in 2010, and I be, I think I mean this is a loaded position as well because you have guys that are still young entering their prime. You have I think Alex Bregman who is basically in his prime, Arenado who is probably going to leave his prime pretty quickly and could potentially be traded away from Colorado. Uh, and then you also have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who it just kind of seems like he's being disrespected a little bit in Dynasty right now. So. Scott, I mean, where did you go at third base? Because I know that you are the Alex Bregman truther here.
3: I am the Alex Bregman truther, and I went with Alex Bregman. I think you could go with Guerrero. I think you could go with Rafael Devers. They They would probably be my second and third choices. But Bregman's not old, certainly, 26. And he has a profile that I think is going to age especially well. Back-to-back seasons with more walks than strikeouts. Great plate discipline. Good contact skills. I see him being a high-end player into his mid-30s. He's proven to be MVP caliber in back-to-back years. I I think the other two are chasing him right now. And if we're just talking about the next 10 years, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Alex Bregman is going to fade enough, even assuming those others catch up to him, that... uh, that after 10 that after 10 years those two will pass
2: chris you have alex Alex bregman as well
1: i i don't know if you could hear me typing but i just changed it i'm doing a spreadsheet where i'm keeping track of this all because i'm going to write up a piece and i just moved to alex bregman because you know i i hadn't considered him enough before i went with vladimir guerrero um but in in that instance i think scott makes a really good point you know you look at how Adrian Beltre aged and a big part of his value and a big part of why he aged well was he never really struck out much. And so, you know, you typically expect a player's strikeout rate to go up as they get older. And Alex Bregman just has a ton of room to go before that even becomes something remotely resembling a concern. So I just, that if he gives me seven good years in this decade, I think they're going to be first or second caliber first or second round caliber. Vladimir Guerrero still has a couple of might have a couple of years before he gets to that point.
2: I think that's fair. I went with Rafael Devers here and he's three years younger than Alex Bregman. He was the number one third baseman in Roto last season. He was a top eight hitter in points leagues. Uh, He made a ton of improvements, lowered the strikeout rate. I mean, that's, I hear what you're saying, Chris, regarding uh, that skill aging very well for someone like Alex Bregman, but I don't know that we've seen the best from Rafael Devers yet. I know he's coming off a massive, massive season and it's really really hard to say that he'll be better than what he did last year, but I don't think that it's inconceivable if he continues to improve upon the strikeout rate and considering the bat speed that he has. And the fact that he's just 23 years old, I think you're kind of hoping Vladimir Guerrero jr. gets to where Devers is at now. And then, gets even better than that, which is yeah. possible. But I think Rafael Devers is already there and is a you know borderline top two round player at just 23 years old. So we really need to see Vladimir Guerrero take that step to do what Rafael Devers has already done. And I still think Devers can get even better, which might be better than Alec- Alex Bregman's prime
1: season, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I,
1: I, I, That's fair. Devers was the other guy I considered. It was a three-man race for me.
0: I think... Moncada is a sleeper. I I you can't I just want to say his name because I sure. could see him being the best, but I don't think you could actually vote for him. There's just not enough yet. I I would go with Bregman. I tend to favor right-handed hitters because Devers had a 743 OPS against lefties in 2018. He had a uh, he slugged 347 against lefties. So he was great against them in 2017. It was two years in a row where he's been underwhelming against lefties. Um but you know, that that doesn't mean he can't be really good, but I do think that righties are safer hitters in most cases. So that's why I would go with Bregman, even though I think he's three years older than, than Devers. Between those two, Moncada and Vlad, it's uh it's a pretty loaded position, and Jose Ramirez could have five. He's only 27. Yeah. But, yep. You know, he could be a factor here, too.
3: He might spend most of the next decade at second base, quite honestly, considering the Indians, they're... Best prospect, I think. One of their top prospects is a third baseman, Nolan Jones. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and he did play second base before, Jose Ramirez. So it's yeah, it's possible that he moves back there. Uh, I did have an honorable mention written down for Yohan Moncada, so I'm happy you brought that up, Adam. But we've got to get into outfield and pitching. And I think Mike Trout's probably the only player who's going to make it onto both of our all-decade teams, our 2010s, yeah. all-decade team, and our 2020s. All decade team. Uh, I wound up going with Ronald Acuna, who is 22 years old, and I also included Juan Soto, who is 21 years old. So you might be freaking out. Well, where is Cody Bellinger? Cody Bellinger is my utility hitter. So I, I did include <laughs> Cody Bellinger in this exercise, but just in a vacuum and even in a dynasty league, I think I would rather have Juan Soto over Cody Bellinger right now just because he's younger and what he's done thus far, a seven OPS is eighth among all hitters over the last two seasons. That was his age 19 and 20 seasons. Yeah. I mean, that is just absolutely ridiculous. So I have Trout, yeah, yeah. Ronald Acuna, and Juan Soto as my three outfielders. With Cody Bellinger in my utility, it was tough to leave Christian Yelich off this list, but I, I think at 28 years old, yeah, it's tough to kind of have him over someone like Ronald Acuna
0: and Juan it's Soto. He's the same age as Mike Trout, though.
2: He is, but I think Mike Trout's just better than Christian
0: Yelich. I, he, Mike Trout is is... Probably better than Christian Yelich, but you could argue Yelich has yeah. been better two straight years.
2: Yeah, it's tough That's, and, and it's, it's subjective, and you know, if you were sure. making a team, you could have had Christian Yelich. It <laughs> just
1: it feels dumb to take Christian Yelich for this exercise over Mike Trout. Is that it's not like the most nuanced position I that agree. I could possibly take, but it's
0: just like. I'm not leaving Mike Trout off for Christian But Yelich. it doesn't... It, it might be wrong. It doesn't... No, it doesn't feel dumb to take Yelich over Bellinger. And it doesn't feel dumb to take Bellinger over Yelich. There's a four-year difference here. Yeah. But, like, if we're... It, Trout's 28, Yelich is 28. Yelich has been just as good, if not better. Trout's been hurt three straight years. Yelich is obviously also coming off a really tough injury. I, I, don't, I would not have left Trout off the list. But you, I may have left Bellinger off the list for Yelich. You guys are well. Fortunately,
3: those of yeah. us who put Bellinger at first base don't have to consider him. But even so, even if but even if we're leaving Bellinger out of the outfield discussion, I'm thankful for the utility spot because I it allowed me to fit four outfielders in there, and yet even with that. I still had to leave Yelich out because one name you guys haven't mentioned is Mookie Betts, whose track record Mm -hmm. is not quite as good as Trout's, but it's as stable as Trout's. I mean, it kind of,
1: it's, maybe it's not as good as Trout's. I think it's as good or better than Christian Yelich's. Like, Mookie Betts 2018 is one of the best fantasy seasons of the
3: last 25
0: years. Was it better than what Yelich just did?
3: I believe so. I, I wouldn't think so. I, they're, a they're pretty, pretty close. Game basis. I can't. Yeah,
0: I, I, I don't it, think it, so. Look,
3: it's it's super painful to leave Yelich out. Like, I really wish I could move Mookie Betts to second base or something like that. But <laughs> Mookie Betts is a year younger than Yelich, yeah. approximately.
0: Yeah.
3: And, and Trout. I mean, Trout and Yelich basically the same age. Betts is a year younger, and that year was part of enough to make the difference for me. And then. So so he beats out Trout. He beats out Yelich because of that. Bets does, and then Trout beats out Yelich just because the track record is of him being that caliber of player is longer. So Yelich is on the outside looking in here, because obviously you can't leave out Acuna and Soto. What they've already done prior to age twenty-two. Do you guys just think that
0: sir- Eloy Jimenez or uh, Luis Robert or somebody could or t- Kyle Tucker or somebody could a hundred percent could? Yeah. How, how I realistic?
1: Just, I, I couldn't justify it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For, for Robert, I think, you know, most people's, you know, high end outcome for him is turning into Ronald Acuna, right? Like, that's yeah. the hope that Luis Robert can turn into Ronald Acuna. So, how can you justify, you know, having Robert over someone who they're no, expecting to become? I so, wouldn't I mean, put
0: him over Acuna, though, but I would maybe put him over Betts or Yell. Like, if you were doing like a five outfielder, if you were doing a five outfielder league and everybody had Trout, Acuna, and Soto. Uh, and everybody had Bellinger at first base. Pick two more outfielders. For for is it Betts and is it Betts and and Yelich? It,
3: it is for me because I think they could have six years of doing what they've done. Still something yeah. five or six, you know. I and I
1: sorry. I I worry Mookie Betts isn't going to age quite as well as Christian Yelich and Mike Trout, just because I don't think. Like, I think at some point, all three of them are going to stop running. It'll probably be, you know, Betts and Yelich have further to go, although Betts didn't run very much last year uh, either. But once the speed is gone, I just think Trout and Yelich have more
3: bat. Although, Betts Betts has the best contact skills of the three.
0: Yes. Uh, The ballpark, I mean, I guess I just... If if he had been locked up to the Red Sox, like Yelich is locked up to the uh, Brewers... I'd probably go with Betts, but I would take Yelich over Betts uh, just because I know how much that ballpark has meant to Christian Yelich, and they just signed it to a long-term deal. We have no idea where Betts is going to go next year. He's going to go to the Giants. Frank, who were your your three outfielders, by
1: the way?
2: I had Trout, Acuna, Soto, and then Bellinger was my utility bat. Is it crazy that none of us have mentioned Jordan Alvarez?
1: I'm waffling still up to the last minute on my utility spot. I don't know what to do there. I, I, I have Jordan Alvarez currently in there. But That's the man, one spot where you can actually do what you want. Yeah. Not like what I
2: already did. Your second base position, your utility spot, which is kind of what you did.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to change it to Christian Yalich. Christian Yalich is my utility.
3: Alvarez is so young and was so good right away that it it's, it seems wrong to leave him off. But since it already seems long to, wrong to leave both of Betts and Yelich off, I'm okay with it. Like, yeah. I feel like it's another aging bias thing I have where players who are too unathletic to play anywhere really don't and age well. Problems? And the knee yeah. problems.
1: Yeah. That's well, no, that's this is a concept that, that Bill James introduced in the baseball whatever, I can't remember what it's called, nineteen in two thousand. And it was uh the idea of like an old player skill set. And he pointed out that players who like walk a lot, strike out a lot, hit for power, and don't play good defense tend to age a lot worse than players with better athletic profiles and who play more athletic. And so
0: that is a concern. Oh, you know, there is. That's, that we needed a book for that. The more athletic guy is gonna age slower Listen, than the. Well, less. no,
3: exactly. I actually Bill think James that's. Was in his prime. There was a lot of stuff. I think actually
1: that I think that is something that a lot of people think is that like a guy who. Uh, you derives know a okay. lot of his Value from I, speed. I I feel that they won't age as well. All right. No, I, I think it is. I important. apologize
0: to to William James. That is a good point. Well, we don't need to apologize to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: All right, we're going to pick things back up here with pitching and moving into starting pitchers and relief pitchers. This is a really tough exercise to do. Yeah, I hated projecting this. Projecting the next decade. Uh, and apologies in advance because we're not going to be able to get to emails today. But I promise you, I promise, Oh. the next three days Uh-oh. Podcast. Uh podcast, I will try my best to get <laughs>
3: <laughs> promising to try your best.
1: That's a promising
3: good to try my best. Yes. Um, that's, that's I what
1: I use. That's what I use with my wife a lot.
0: I <laughs> promise.
1: I will was try. About to say the
3: same thing. I <laughs> oh, <yeah>. remember
1: to. <laughs>
0: oh, I, I, left the, to try- I left the, I left the stove on this afternoon. So I don't think you guys can do any worse than that. I could have burned the house down.
1: So. I mean, that's, uh, that's implying that I haven't done that several times. <laughs> it's horrifying. <already>. Jeez. <laughs>
2: At starting pitcher for the 2010 team, we chose Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Zach Greinke, Chris Sale. With the exception of Chris Sale, all of those pitchers were kind of already a thing, or were mm-hmm. becoming a thing. They were they were established in 2010. So, well, Frank, can,
0: so- can I just can I just in this? Like, we're just taking the same five for. For twenty twenty twenties, right? Like just Verlander Scherzer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Are you gonna
2: argue for Felix Hernandez again for the two
1: (laughs) thousand twenties? Not this not this time, no. It wouldn't be a worse argument than it was for the twenty (laughs) tens.
2: But Adam, you know what I what I'll say about your argument for Felix Hernandez is the reason why I left Garrett Cole off my list because your argument for Felix Hernandez was for the first half of the decade. He was one of the best pitchers in fantasy, and we didn't give enough credence to that. And I think that Garrett Cole's probably going to be really good for the next three years, maybe the next three to five years. And if he if he's an outlier like Justin Verlander or Scherzer and pitches well into his 30s, then he will make this team, the, all, the 2020s mm-hmm. all-decade team. But I actually left Garrett Cole off of my team for the reason that you... Presented for Felix Hernandez, and we all just didn't agree with you. <laughs> so I have Garrett Cole off of my team. Actually,
0: oh, well, you're welcome. Ben.
3: I have and this a, was I have this was really I to, hard. I have to kick out one person, and I keep going back and forth on who that is. I'll do As it for of you. now, I have Garrett Cole in my rotation. Number one is Walker Buehler. Yeah, right. Yep. Are we pretty much on board with that? Okay.
1: Although he's older than I think you he's might.
3: Twenty five years old. That's, so that is older than I thought. Yeah. But I like so I, I assumed that. he was 23. Yes. I, I'm I am not expecting, especially the way pitching is handled now, I'm not expecting this whole team to be great for this whole pitching staff to be great for the full decade. Um so Walker Bueller's the easiest call, I think. I have not really hedged on having McKinsey Gore in there. He seems like far and away the top pitching prospect and got a lot of that buzz from the day he was drafted out of high school. He just seems like that special of a talent. So I have Mackenzie Gore in there. Jack Flaherty. Yep. Uh, I already mentioned Garrett Cole. And right now, right now I have Shane Bieber out and I have Mike Soroka in. Oh my gosh! Oh, Chris oh, Paddock! God. Chris oh. Paddock!
0: Holy cow, Chris Paddock needs to be on this list, Scott White.
3: Uh, I I worry about Paddock's
0: durability.
3: Um uh, but Soroka, Soroka, I think, is the kind of pitcher who'll just I like I, I think of him as being the next the decade's next Zach Granke. He is he's so young. He has um he has a strikeout shortage compared to the other pitchers on this list but and yet he has a really stable profile and I just I think he's just going to be automatic for the next several years maybe not earning a lot of Cy Young buzz along the way but maybe earning some and uh should just be a really good pitcher for a long time so Scott, that's why I have him on here I I think there's less bust potential with him than there is for a lot of the pitchers you could choose Scott I we look been, it's, we've, it's uh... between him Flaherty, Cole, and Shane Bieber. I have to leave one of them out, and I'm not sure which. I, I think don't... Bueller and Gore are locks for me. You
1: can you can <laughs> leave so out dumb. the 20 year old who hasn't pitched above Double A and has only thrown 109 <laughs> innings as his career high. You could leave that
3: guy. I off. I could, but I don't want to. I'm playing hunches here, and I think Gore is going to be spectacular. I, I think he's. I,
0: I I think that Scott, we've been friends for like 10, 11 years now. I hope we can still be friends in 2030. I hope we're still doing this podcast together in 2030. That's going to be one of the worst calls you've ever made in on this pocket. Mike Soroka. Being well, a you know what? I've got a
1: worse one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in agreement with Scott on three of them. Well, two of them, I guess, because he left Shane Bieber off. I've got Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty, and Shane Bieber. I really didn't want to go with Shane Bieber. I don't really like Shane Bieber all that much, but it's hard to argue with the combination of age and the fact that he's was, what, third in the league in, in innings pitched last season is already a really good pitcher. The problem I had with this exercise was you can't project a Justin Verlander or a Max Scherzer, someone to just be good all the way through to their mid to late 30s. It's just, you can't do that. But what you don't have right now are 25 and under pitchers who have thrown even 600 innings in their career. It's just like those guys just don't really exist right now. And so you're forced to pick, I mean, Bueller, Flaherty, and Bieber. Bueller's got the best track record of the three, and he basically has one and two-third seasons under his belt. So it's really hard to do this exercise. So I want those three guys as young, in-their prime pitchers, who I believe will be good for at least the next five years. Then things kind of go off the rails. I criticized Scott's Mackenzie Gore pick, and I basically picked the left-handed version of Mackenzie Gore and Jesus Lizardo, Gore's career too. high. Oh, then the left-handed version of a left-hander uh Jesus <laughs> Lazar, i just i love his stuff. I love that he's reached the majors. I love that he's performed in the high minors already. He's a year older than mackenzie gore uh but i i just i feel very confident that he's going to be very good and his career high in innings is five higher than mackenzie gore, so clearly you have to go with that choice <laughs> after criticizing mackenzie gore uh yeah. and then this one's where. I just I I'm, might be suffering from oxygen deprivation. I went with a guy who just had Tommy John surgery. Uh, Severino. Because Luis Severino yeah. is 26 years old. Oh, He'll be back in, tw- in 2021. He'll be a 27-year-old with two legitimate ace seasons under his belt. We know he can do the workload. We know he can pitch at that level. It's just really like the other option I thought of was Aaron Nola. And Aaron Nola might be a guy I, – I really waffled until the last minute on that one because I could see Aaron Nola being kind of this decade Zach Greinke where you know he's a control artist, has good enough stuff, but really gets by on command and control. He's proven he can handle the workload. He's proven he's not an injury risk at this point. Uh, and he's proven he can pitch at a really high level. So I really, really struggled between those two. And I would imagine neither of you even considered either one of them.
3: I. I, I gave half a thought to Severino, but... I didn't think of no. so. I, 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 mean, I did. <laughs> Severino You really sure. think he's that much better of a pick than Mike Soroka? Who's, yes. yeah, did what he did last year as a 21-year-old? Did he do yes. anything
0: that was better than what Severino's done? I mean, and you no. know, strikeouts are king, and I I just see Soroka being Marcus Stroman.
3: Right, but he's five years younger than Severino, and he's but, not coming off Tommy Johnson. From surgery. my
0: perspective everybody's going to yeah. Everybody's gonna get Tommy John surgery, so might as well just get it out of the way. Now, from my perspective, I'm only thinking about a pitcher who's going to give me five good years. So, you know, why not Tyler Glass now? Why not Luis Castillo? Uh, I think they're better picks than Mike Soroka, too. But I cannot believe you guys don't have Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock probably would have been the third guy on my list behind Bueller and Flaherty. So Paddock was in the
2: discussion for me, and I have four of the same five that Chris does. I have Bueller... Bieber, Jack Flaherty, and I also included Jesus Lazardo just in terms of projection, if you want, if you think he can become like the next Chris Sale, just in terms of being that left-handed strikeout specialist.
3: You want to throw those really quick. Could you repeat them for me?
2: Uh, Walker Bueller, Shane uh-huh. Bieber, Jack Flaherty, and Jesus Lazardo. So I have four of the five that Chris has. And the fifth one, and I'm kind of really just buying into what I saw last year, I think we we're forgetting about his age and his prospect status, is Lucas Giolito. He's 25 yeah. years old. I mean, it might be a little bit premature, but he was regarded as the top-pitching prospect in baseball, and I buy into a lot of what we saw in 2019. Improved mechanics, increased velocity, uh, one of the best change-ups in the game last year, 15% swinging strike rate, was sixth-best in all of baseball. So the final spot for me was between Giolito and Paddock, and I went with Giolito because I think his
0: upside is higher than Chris Paddock's. But you went with but- the guy who's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Like Paddock at least has never done that, you know? Like Sever I think I think Giolito, sorry, I said Severino, Giolito, I think, had the highest DRA. He had one of the highest DRAs among qualifiers in 2018.
2: Oh, he was brutal. Yeah. There's no way around it. No, there's no doubting that. But I just I buy into the changes that he made last year, and I think that's something that he can continue to build
3: on. All right. So So we're we're talking about stability, right? Like and it's really hard for when you're looking at a young pitcher, a guy in his early 20s or even 25-year-old like Lucas Giolito who has one good major league season on his belt to say this guy is going to be a stable high-end pitcher for the next decade. And that's that's why I justify Sirocco because what you said Adam about you're only thinking of the next 5 years and not the next 10 and that's probably true for most of the pitchers we picked you really can't envision a window longer than that. But you don't think at 32, 10 years from now, as a 32-year-old Soroka will still be generating ground balls and avoiding walks? I mean, that that skill set is going to age very well. But for like, the guy if who he's just Tim, picked Tim Hudson, like for the next day, for the guy
0: who just argued Troy Tulowitzki over Elvis Andrews, I'm just shocked that you're taking someone with such with such a low strikeout rate. You know, well, like I, that's I just don't, not fantasy I don't think impact. The
3: ceiling is as low as it is for Andrews. I mean, he was in. Well, I and this is the, the number one contention. shortstop was, like four
0: times. I, I don't mean to. I don't think it was I that understand. many times, but I, I don't mean to make the comparison of, of the two. I just mean like you're not taking the high upside guy and ground ball pitchers like that. Their whips are higher, and their strikeout rate is low. So yeah, I, I mean and there's, and there's a, a lot of volatility. volatility
3: year to year. I I've, I've said this before, and I'm you know if if this is a stick your neck out for a guy exercise, I'll do it here. I think Soroka's strikeout rate is going to get better. And I think he's already elite in terms of ground balls and and control. So to what degree his strikeout rate improves might impact what the ceiling is during that decade. But I do think there is a clear scenario here where he's something like Zach Granke, who was on most of our all-decade team for the past decade.
2: Yeah, for me, Shane Bieber was the Zach Granke of this next decade. Just very solid strikeouts, good command. Uh, solid at generating ground balls, 45% ground balls. So I I thought I viewed him in that Zach Granke light, but quickly let's just give out our two relief pitchers. I went with closers. I know that there are other players who are relief pitcher eligible, the Sparps in head to head points leagues, but I went with Josh Hader and Roberto Osuna. They're two of the best closers in the game and they're still both 25 years old. I don't know how you guys kind of attack relief
1: pitcher. I hated this too. (laughs) I hated any, like this is, I just don't worry about relief pitcher in a dynasty league at all because it's just you can't project it at all. And, you know, the two guys that I picked in the 2010s were 23 and 22. They were Craig Kimbrell and Dan Kenley Jansen. There's no proven closers that young right now. And so I did go with Roberto Azuna And then this is just kind of a dart throw. But I went with Jordan Hicks, who's 23 right now, should be back. Honestly, depending on when the season starts, relatively early this season. So I think there's a chance that he does come back as the Cardinals closer. And he was looking like he was making the leap to become close to an elite closer last season before
3: the injury. That's a common dart throw based on the polling I did this weekend. Uh, He got more responses than Giovanni Gallegos. I'm not so sure Giovanni Gallegos isn't better. James Carinche. Me neither. Of <laughs> the Indians got a lot of votes too. Yeah, I was thinking about um, him. My, I think is the easy one here because he has five years of full-time closing under his belt, and he's only 25. Mm-hmm. That, if if you're ever going to predict predict a guy to be to have great longevity in that role, it's him. I went with Hater, just because they're like it. It's impossible to predict longevity here. It's so volatile. Uh, it's not uncommon for pitchers to be good for like three years and then just fade out completely so I'll take the guy who's there now even though it's not clear the Brewers want him in that role long term and uh I'll
0: I think he's Hater.
1: gonna I think he's gonna flame out personally
0: okay. I just
1: I don't know I mean look it, it's a fine pick I picked Jordan Hicks so who am I to criticize no, it better not be this
0: year because every draft I do I'm taking Josh Hader and I'm I actually just, I got a sleeper um, Mike Soroka so ineffective in the Braves rotation that they moved him to closer, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes all John Smoltz on us, and that's where he finds his That would his be footing. a pretty good pick if that happened. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> a better pick than him as
2: a starting pitcher. Yeah, yeah, I tell
3: you. Come on uh, too everybody good.
2: for uh, for going a little bit long here today on the show. Just gonna wrap up quickly. I mean, we're already this far in. Why not team name Tuesday? Uh, and Chris, your favorite, one of your favorites here, Dookie Butts. i was like was this from our 10 year old listening audience uh i mean (laughs) sounds like a new nickname for my (laughs) two-year-old the other one that we got was uh lament for the oryx which was from peter and he says this is from the song lament for the oryx by the sword They had a song in guitar hero anyone here guitar hero
0: yeah oh man i took a day off from work uh like 13 12 12 years ago or something and i bought guitar hero and i became that was my my most useless talent i became really really good at guitar hero uh, you, pref- you,
3: that episode of south park was dedicated to you huh
0: carry man, carry man, that one pop pop, pop poke I, your face i
1: preferred rock band i never we played had rock a band. lot of rock band parties in college chris was probably a big drummer is that true chris not good at drumming uh I, I like singing. I always thought singing in Rockman was fun. Star of the show, exactly. Pretty. I want everyone looking to me. Yeah. How good were you at Guitar Hero? Talking like I was really,
0: really good. Like expert level or hard, the hardest level. Could play Dragon Force. I could expert? not quite beat the the like one or two hardest ones, but I could could beat every other level. Yeah, I was, I was really. Wow. You should have seen me, guys. (laughs)
2: We're setting this up. Me versus Adam, Guitar Hero. All right. Whoever wins gets to host the show. I need a few days.
0: uh, We each get like a few days. I need training camp because I'm rusty.
2: (laughs) I 100% need that. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, Thanks for everyone for listening today. This was really fun. I'm sorry, again, that we went a little bit long, but I thought the conversations that we had for uh, projecting the All-Decade teams were a lot of fun. So for Adam, Scott, and Chris, I am Frank. Thanks again for listening. We will be back tomorrow here on Fantasy Baseball Today.